this because um, so you watched the Anthony Fantano review of Revival, Eminem's new album, right? Yeah. Did you actually listen to Eminem's new album, Revival? Uh, I'd say about half of it. It is borderline unlistenable. <laughs> you know, I've, you're not the only person I've heard say that, which makes me want to listen to it all the way through. It's yeah, it's it's a journey. Yeah. And it's a difficult task. What what do you think went wrong? I, I think I think he's trying really hard to hold on to some relevance while also speaking from this perspective of like, you know, he's the elder statesman, right? And so there's all these songs about insecurity and about, you know, him feeling like he's a bad husband and uh, you know, is he ever gonna live up to the hype of his last albums and then he talks about society and Donald Trump and all this stuff and mm-hmm. it just like it just doesn't go it just doesn't feel natural and like honestly a lot of things went wrong man I can't like there's a lot of things wrong only everything the the, the beats are bad mm-hmm. his lyrics are bad and I'm saying this about Eminem but the lyrics are bad they're like he, he's trying to he's trying to spit punchlines mm-hmm. and they're just just the worst just the worst it's it's what happens when you become a dad yeah they're dad jokes you only have dad jokes dude left. they're dad jokes that he masks with being like a good rapper and like he doesn't rap the same so like he he has like this kind of mumble and do do this bullshit and it's like no right and it's kind of what he's been doing for the past like five years yes I, I I don't know man I think I think your boy should just stop like he's he's worried about his legacy he's worried about um excuse me people judging him and but you're the one you're on your ninth album you're the one who dropped four awful awful albums mm-hmm. two pretty bad ones or no one bad one and then three great ones well, one good one, one near classic, and then one great one. Mm-hmm. Then a bad one. And then four more bad ones. Yeah. I mean, the last one, like, we've talked about this before, but the last one that I can say that's really good, good, not, not even great, but good, is the M&M show. Yeah. The rest yeah. of them after that, I just feel like have been downhill. Yeah. So he has, I mean, I'll look up his discography, but it's... Not good. No. At this point, does he have more bad to mediocre albums than good? That's a great question. Yeah. Okay, so we have it right here. We're looking at uh, the Slim Shady LP was his first like official album, but Infinite was like Infinite was his okay. Let me rephrase. Infinite was his first official album. The Slim Shady LP was his first like debut, Mm -hmm. you know, major label debut basically. Right. Uh, Then the. Marshall Mathers LP, then the Eminem show, then Encore. So it starts at Encore. Mm-hmm. Encore is like an average album. It's yeah. really where you start to see the cracks in the mm-hmm. armor of Eminem. He's come back. Um, you know, he's starting to get sober, I guess, but he's got his face is all pudgy and he's like <laughs> trying to make these bad jokes like the fucking doing, 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 oh, and man, you yeah. make my pee pee go, all that. Yep, like, yep. Ugh, not into it. Then he disappears for a while and he comes back with uh, Relapse. Oh shit. 
Relapse was his album, like his return album. Now he's sober. He looks great. Looks mm-hmm. like he's been working out and stuff. He comes back with like the the psycho shit, and you're like, oh fuck, this is awesome. Mm-hmm. And then no, he's doing like a weird accent throughout the whole album. Yeah, and like the song's just not up to par. <sighs> then, then recovery. Uh-huh. Recovery, I thought was as bad as he was gonna get. It's just really, really corny. It's just really corny. But no. But no. There's more. I think Revival might be his worst album. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and it has to be like the worst album from one of the best artists ever. Mm -hmm. It's just really, really bad. Have you heard the Beatles solo material? (laughs) Not all of it. There's too much to take in. But yeah, I guess there's got to be some few. There's a few misses in there, yeah. 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 Well, I, I like to. I try to keep it in the in the um, the realm of, of hip hop and because uh, like you know rock artists and R and B artists, pretty much any other genre, like they they usually release a lot of albums. Mm-hmm. You know, like you think you think you're looking at like most people will listen to a Michael Jackson album and go, oh, Off the Wall was his first album as a solo artist. That's like his fourth or fifth album as yeah, a solo yeah. artist. You know. So Thriller's like his sixth or seventh album. Right. So he's had a lot of experience. But then like, you know, like Stevie Wonder, he didn't get he didn't get to the point where he was dropping like classic material until like his twelfth or thirteenth mm-hmm. album, you know? So with rappers, it's usually like a shelf life of like five or six albums. Yeah. And if you if you're really, really consistent, you can get past that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, you see that with even a lot of rock acts too. Like a lot of people that start really strong with a like a great debut or great like say three albums can sometimes crash for a while too. You look at something like uh, or someone like Elvis Costello, where you know he has super solid first first album, second album, third album, and then it kind of starts to wane a little bit after that. Right. Um, yeah. No. You. Yeah. You're. You're right. Uh, and so. That's the same thing with like uh, like like Led Zeppelin, for instance. Their first four albums are incredible, uh-huh. and then it starts to kind of go downhill after that. It has its moments; where it goes back up and down. But yeah. in the you get into the eighties, and it's like, Ugh. yeah. Once the time's up, the time's up. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think that's that's a pretty important thing to remember about Eminem too. Like, are we in the phase where, you know, the seventies was his nineties? You know, right. And then we're we're now hitting the eighties of this era and he's no longer relevant. Mm. Or same thing with like the hair metal bands of the eighties, moving into the nineties grunge. It's like your time and your style is just past. Yeah. And maybe maybe what he's doing right now is not necessarily unauthentic, but it, it's him grasping at straws to stay relevant in a new new world of hip hop. Right. He doesn't know how to how to maintain anymore. He doesn't know how to stay relevant. So he's trying to just kind of reinvent himself, and it's not quite working. Uh, well, you know what? I feel like there's a lot more examination that needs to be had here. But before we do that, we need to get into these beers, my friend. Yes, please. You take that. Oh, thank you. I'll take this. Mm-hmm. It's Dogfish and Woolrich present. Yeah, it's a collabo. Pennsylvania Tuxedo, a dogfish, oh yeah, Dogfish and Woolrich. Pennsylvania Tuxedo, a pale ale brewed with Pennsylvania spruce tips. 8.5 ABV. Ooh, doggy. You know what? Let's just let's just have ourselves a good time. My name is Marco Dupa. You've been hearing my powerful co-host, Adam Obesius Rodriguez. The power! 
Uh, Sports with Dave Romero could not be with us today. We had just a simple schedule conflict. Sometimes it happens. We're adults, and we will get past it. He will join us. Damn it! That's right. He'll join us on the next episode. But tonight it's just me and the obese one. Yeah, boy. Let's crack them open. Let's have a good time. This is the One Baron Podcast. actually really good yeah i was kind of expecting this to be a bit more weird mm-hmm. but it works yeah yeah it's really good it's like drinking a christmas tree in the best way <laughs> um travis was telling me about some uh this this uh, stout i have to i have to have him text it to me but he gave it a six out of six <whistles> yeah he said it's like just top notch, hmm. best stout he's had, and you know, like at this point, all he drinks now is like porters and stouts. Yeah, um, yeah. which good for him, you yeah. know. He's, he's found his thing. Yeah, he's graduated from the ciders and the which. Hey, nothing against people who drink ciders and shit. That's right. fine, right. you know. But, but we're we're all for expanding your palate. Right. That's right. So, <clears throat> but yeah, kind of. I just really, really want to. <laughs> I need to. I need to understand. I need, it. I need to understand what's going on with with Eminem, dude. Yeah. I just, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I, I, I lit like. So I listened after I had read some reviews where people were saying it was really bad and stuff, and Fantano really, you know, crushed it. Um, and so I knew, like, I had a feeling going in that like I wasn't gonna like it at all but I, I i don't go in with the bias i really really like eminem mm-hmm. you know I, i'm not one of these people who i do think he's one of the greatest i don't think he's far and ahead the greatest yeah uh, and i have plenty of reasons for that that's a whole nother podcast mm. but i respect the man and so i don't like i'm not sitting up here waiting for him to drop a trash album and then going told you so right, right. you know i want him to put out some good shit so I went into it with a very open mind, just just hoping, hoping that people were exaggerating. But uh, the first single just didn't really, um, you know, we listened to it together. Yeah, we did. We did. Uh, I think uh, we had about the same reaction. Right. Was, Ooh. Oh, no. <laughs> this doesn't, this isn't This is the best well. thing you have to show. Uh, oh. And then it's like, it's the, it's the first track on the album. Yeah. So he opens with that corny ass shit. Like, and I think that that's the main culprit of this whole thing. Uh-huh. It's just, it's just so corny, man. Yeah, yeah. I and I can't really speak too much on the album. I don't want to be one of those people that you know just talks based off of reviews he's read. But right. from the songs I have listened to, that's the biggest. My biggest kind of thing that I pulled away from the album is just how cringy and corny it is. Yeah. And honestly, how poor the production is on yeah. it too. Like, yes. You yes. think after this this long in the game. Especially if he's trying to go with something, I don't know, that sounds more current. Like, you, you hear some trap influences yeah. on it, but it just doesn't work for his voice. No. And I, I don't 
like it. No, yeah. I was talking to my brother about this, and I was saying, like, no one, no one was like, M, this just really isn't working. You know, you've got Dr. Dre, you've got Jimmy Iovine, you've got whatever other producers are hanging around there, you've got all the guys he signed. Like, this guy, what's crazy to me is he signed Slaughterhouse. Yeah. A collective of some of the best underground rappers in the game. Mm -hmm. Joe Budden, Crooked Eye, Royce to 5'9", and Joel Ortiz. And then he goes out and he signs a guy who, I'm saying it here, I've been saying it all over the internet, West Side Gun, one of the best new artists in the game. Mm Mm-hmm. The most, like, he's from Buffalo, New York. He just talks about just shooting people and fucking wearing Yeezys. Eating wings. I mean, it's it's awesome. He picks the best beats. He's got this really high-pitched voice. And you're like, God damn, this dude's gangster. Mm-hmm. He signs him. And and um, um the guy that he raps with, Conway, who's also pretty dope. Okay. And I'm like, okay, this, like... His next album, if he ever puts out another album, it's going to be insane. Like, the mm-hmm. guy said he had, like, he was doing collaborations with fucking D12 and Exhibit back in the day and right. putting out classic albums. Now he's got these guys. Mm-hmm. How has he not made us, like, three or four songs? How are they not on this album? Mm-hmm. None of them. You know? So that didn't that didn't give me, uh, 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 that wasn't that wasn't a good sign. Yeah. And there's only one feature on it, right? One yeah. rap feature. And, and it's, it's a hook feature. And it's some fucking guy named Fresher or something like that. Something like that, yeah. It's, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't even know that this guy, like, I guess he's another guy that he signed. And this, this dude was on the, the, the trap beat that you were talking about. Yeah. That trap song. Oh, God. It's really hard to listen to. It's really hard to listen to. Yeah. And only when that dude comes in on the chorus where you're like, then, then you're like, oh, it sounds natural now. Because this guy obviously right. raps on those kind of beats. But Eminem... Mm-mm. And I don't, I don't want to limit an artist and tell them stay in your comfort zone, mm-hmm. stay in your lane, do what we want you to do, because I hate that, All and right. I don't want to be that kind of fan. But you know, he's just just stay in your comfort zone, stay in your lane, do what we want you to do. Like he's doing things that are just like so far away from what he's good at. Well, that's what I was gonna say. It's like it's fine if you want to experiment, but you have to experiment knowing what your strengths and weaknesses are as an artist. Yeah. So I mean. I, Props to him if he's trying something that he really wants to try. But I think the fact that this album's coming out after he's had hiatus for a while, mm-hmm. right? And his last album, people didn't really like. Right. Well, well I mean, we some people. Recovery was 2010, so it's been seven years since he put out his last album. No, there was Marshall Mathers LP 2. Oh, Marshall, you're right. You're right. right. You're right. And that shit was garbage too. Right. That album was so bad. So, I mean, I've heard these apologists that are like, <laughs> no, it's actually really good. But I don't agree. I I think you're trying to make this... You're trying to bend this thing to your will. Yeah. And it's really really not not that great. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I feel like the fact is that he's coming out with another disappointment after two or three disappointments in a row from, mm -hmm. you know, the majority of people, I'd say, um, would agree with that. It it just... It's getting tiring of trying to give him chances and being disappointed again and again and again. So if he had like this great classic sounding album the you know a couple years ago or so and then he comes out with this experimental weird thing that just doesn't click kind of give him the benefit of the doubt and go go okay you know you, you tried something yeah fine we'll let you have this do better next time uh-huh. but because it's been miss after miss after miss you're kind of left going does he have anything left right are we at the point where he's just not good 
And it's just like, I'm not checking for Eminem anymore. Like, he, he just keeps putting out bad albums. Yeah. You know? I'm kind of there. Like, I, I wasn't wasn't very excited for this album to come out. I was curious. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call it excited because of the disappointments we've had recently. Yeah. But now, I mean, for his next album, uh, I mean, unless there's a killer single that, you know, he completely reinvents himself or, like, gives me more confidence and his his ability to make a co- coherent song yeah <clears throat> i yeah i'm checked out it it's it's really it, it really falls down to like what he was really good at isn't relevant anymore it doesn't work anymore you can't right. you can't rail against pop stars and you can't like it, and not that you can't do it but like no one really cares you right know? well there's not that's not the environment now right yeah i guess you can talk about miley cyrus or something like i it just doesn't resonate in the way it did in the time of in sync and Backstreet right. Boys. Well, because when's the last time that we had like a really huge pop star other than Taylor Swift, Justin Bieber? Yeah, that yeah, he That's was the last one who it, was like yeah. this fucking like whoa, what a phenomenon, right? You know, In Sync, Backstreet Boys, Ninety Eight Degrees, Britney Spears, all mm. of them like that was a that was a thing, oh, that yeah. was a moment in time. Yeah, that, that had people still yeah. And so him being the guy who is right in the thick of but this white rapper who is railing against them, he's dissing them, but he's and the other thing the problem is like he could still do that stuff if he was still rapping the same way, but he's mm-hmm. not rapping the same way. It's not he's just he's not as good. Yeah. And it really I mean it really falls down to he's a 45-year-old man. Right. Like nobody like I don't want to hear forty-five year old man talk shit about Miley Cyrus. I don't care how relevant it is, right? It, you know, just, Un- yeah, it, unless he has an, a, a a thing to talk about, like if you know, talk about the fact that like you know, she tried to revitalize her career by like dipping her toes into the rap community, and then mm-hmm. once she got her success, she bounced out and was like, "Hip hop is not something you want your kids to listen to," and like mm-hmm. it's bad influences. It's like she she shitted on hip hop culture after right. she used and abused it. Like if you want to talk about something like that, that's relevant, and I get that. But with Eminem, the perspective will always be like, you know, he's gonna rape her or like something crazy like right, that. Right. You know, shock value is yeah. what, what he used to do. But like the Donald Trump stuff is like, that's cool. But he doesn't sound that great doing it. It doesn't, like, all that stuff. Because he also has another track about, like, racism and, like, black culture. Yeah, that, like, like that. Um, uh, the shit that's like, white boy, white boy. Yeah, yeah. You're oh, just God. a white boy. Oh, God. It's so oh. bad. And, that, well, that's a good example. Because, yeah, I like what he was going for. Mm-hmm. Acknowledging his own white privilege. Acknowledging that black people have it harder in certain situations. Uh but man, it's just so bad. It just comes off like, bah. It makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Yeah, because I, I <laughs> it, it's so annoying. That hook is terrible. It's bad. One of the worst hooks of the year. Mm-hmm. Every 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 song, I was making this face as if, you know, like there's two ways you can do the stank face. You know, you do the stank face when you hear a a line where you're like, oh god, that was so bad. That was so gross but in a good way like right. damn what a punchline uh-huh. or you do the stank face where you're going what mm. what the fuck did he Ugh, that was a terrible line no. and that's the face i was making i was uh, driving somewhere i think i was driving to meet travis and i'm listening to it and i'm the whole i i wonder like people seeing me like driving by and i'm just going <laughs> is he okay yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was just really, really, really disappointed. And the other problem is it's like, it's crazy long, too. Yeah. It's really long. Like, obnoxiously. It's like 19 songs or something like that. And they're long songs. Mm. It's no good. Yeah. Fucking Eminem, man. Well, I mean, what are how do you feel about his next album coming out? I um uh, I mean unless he does like what I said, um take advantage of the people that's on your label. Um cuz that's how if you want to be more relevant, that's the best way to do it. Yeah. Do a song with West Side Gun. Do a song with Slaughterhouse, you know? Get mm-hmm. those guys on your album. Right. The fact that those dudes are just sitting in the studio like West Side Gun is the future, Frankie. Stop. <laughs> that do shit like that like do things that are outside the norm man like no one wants to hear eminem over trap beats right no one wants to hear eminem like i know a lot of people gravitated towards the donald trump freestyle and stuff but there were level-headed people who were like that wasn't that good yeah you know and i was one of those people who was in between like i understand why he was taking those long pauses it was supposed to be like a freestyle so the people who were like why is he pausing so much is like well you obviously don't listen to rappers rap acapella because mm-hmm. they do that all the time it's yeah. just a thing that's a dramatic pause too yeah. it gives you time to digest what he just said but the the problem is like some of the stuff that he said was like that wasn't that impactful my friend like right, we right, don't right. need the long pause to digest what you said because like it was a candy bar. It didn't take that much right. to digest. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Go, Very quickly. Continue, please. And I don't think he's... I mean, he's never been known for like these these triple entendres where you're like, whoa, I can't no. believe he said... But he has been known for those one or two quick like, holy shit, that mm-hmm. was a shocking line, but also really smart and yeah, really yeah. dope and shit. His, his aggression too. Like yeah. The way he does it yeah. was always you know, uh, probably most impactful. Uh, of its entire style i remember like he said a line on kill you where he says um he's like put your hands down bitch i ain't gonna shoot you i'm gonna pull you to this bullet and put it put through, through you, you. Yeah. it's like the imagery right. man of like I, I mean that's just nobody when he was doing shit like that it's like no one would think of something mm-hmm. like that no and that's why it's he's creative. Yeah, yeah it's it's way past just the normal you know, I do things like this. My raps are like blah, 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 blah. Like, mm-hmm. and now, like, he's just, oh, gosh. Heavy duty. Her ass is heavy duty, like diarrhea. Like, come on, man. He says, like, we're in a pickle. How are we going to deal? And it's like, ugh. Mm. Oh, do you know what it is? They're not, like, metaphors and similes. They're puns. Yeah. His yeah. raps are puns. Mm-hmm. And that's, No. No. Nah. No thanks. No thanks. Yeah. If if Eminem had come out in 2017, if he was a new rapper and his debut album was Revival, mm. people would not be giving him a pass. They yeah. would be defecating on this album. Yeah, and I mean, again, there's still people who have come out to say it. They think this is a good album. Mm-hmm. They enjoyed it. So. And I think they're lying. <laughs> Honestly. To I, themselves. I think to that the public. I think that what they're doing is they're giving... They're giving uh, Eminem a benefit of the doubt, mm. and they're they're you know they're showing out for their boy. But I like I said, if this was if this was just some guy, if this was like Yellow Wolf or Lil Dicky, if this was one of their yeah. if this was their debut album, no, nobody would no one would be saying this. Everyone would be shitting on this album. Yeah, it's universally bad. Yeah, I I mean I think people understand now. Neither of us are fans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
If you are, <coughs> more power to you. But uh, maybe write in and tell us why you yeah. are a fan. Hey, and again, the invitation is still open. Anybody who wants to come on here and debate me about why J. Cole is not overrated, mm. you can come on here and debate me. Any, about that. Anybody who wants to debate me about why this Eminem album is good, you're more than welcome to come on here and debate me. Mm-hmm. Debate. Uh, I think it would be kind of fucked up if they had to debate the whole podcast. So I mean, I'll just fight them. <laughs> so yeah, I would say don't listen to this out. Well, listen to listen it to just it, so yeah. you know what we're talking about yeah, and I'm, form I'm your own go, opinion. I'm gonna go in and I'm gonna listen to the entire thing front to back just so yeah. I have a fully informed opinion and I yeah. can actually talk about it. Yeah, I mean that's what I used to do when I would hear about bad movies. Like I'd go in, I like Medea movies. Mm. I always had an opinion on Medea movies because I knew so many people who watched them. Right, and so I was like. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it at least. I'm gonna watch it all the way through just so I'm not talking out my ass about the the problems. Yeah, well, that these I mean, it's, have. it's so easy to nowadays just talk about something like you've seen it or listened to it when you've just read the bad reviews about it. Right. That's enough for a lot of people. Yeah, and it's very easy to talk from almost an intelligent point of view by just reading headlines and a couple of yeah, reviews. You, you just, now you've formulated an opinion. Right. You just parrot the the reviewer. Right. So that, I've been very conscious about never doing that. Yeah, because um, it's very easy to. Yeah, and 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 sometimes it's like you know, especially when you have somebody who you follow a lot, and you're like, wow, they worded that really well. And it's like, you almost, especially if 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 a reviewer like shits on an album, mm-hmm. it's like, well, I don't want to waste forty five minutes oh, of yeah. my life listening to it. This guy says it's right. bad. I trust this guy's opinion. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna listen well, to it. You know, and that's really what reviews are for. It's yeah. like you you find somebody that you trust whose opinion you trust or or that you don't trust you see what they think about it and therefore yeah. you know yeah this might be something i'm into or this is not something i'm going to be into probably right but it's always worth giving something a shot if you yeah have time for it <clears throat> that, that's kind of what i how i feel about um bright on netflix yeah because i've heard many bad things mm-hmm. about that movie but it's still something that i've i've seen so much uh sort of social commentary uh directed to it that i i I want to watch it just to know what people are talking about. Yeah. So what I so I saw I read this interesting article about it. Um, I don't know you you might have seen this too. Uh, the Last Jedi. Yep. And Bright, they have mirror opposite reviews mm-hmm. on Rotten Tomatoes. So hmm. the Last Jedi has a ninety-two percent uh-huh. um, with the critics and like a fifty-something with users. Okay. And Bright has like a 40 or 50 something with critics and like an 80 something with users. Wow. So there is this clear disconnect with those two films with users or with the consumer and with um, reviewers. reviewers. Right. And it and it it brings up this interesting dilemma of like, you know, do we still need and our 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 reviews still necessary and you know, do they do more harm than good? What good are they mm-hmm. in this day and age of Hollywood? Because obviously now, what's funny is now you see in trailers, you'll see certified fresh on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. You get the little the little tomato mark mm-hmm. at the bottom of the DVD case, right? Because they're starting to realize like people use these services to 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 uh, to to decide if they're going to watch a movie or not, if they're yeah. going to buy a movie or not. Even subconsciously, I feel like when I'm looking through something, if I see that. That uh, what the, the not rotten, but the 
the uh, the fresh fresh right yeah. the fresh review if i see that little icon i'm automatically like oh that's that looks interesting true Let me check it out yeah yeah you yeah know? even seeing that little icon on a dvd you know that it's fresh because they wouldn't advertise it otherwise <laughs> right. so you rotten. just you just see that and you're like and that's the same thing as like the um the uh <clears throat> the reviews on the back whenever you see like the uh the like the greek flowers around like oh, a yeah, yeah. Toronto Film Festival and <laughs> right, like right. Montana Film Festival. Palm Dior. And you're like, oh, cool. This is uh, one of those kind of <laughs> movies. It, it, it does inform your impi- uh, your opinion mm-hmm. and your view on the thing. So. At a base level. You yeah. just automatically associate that with award. Yeah. But it, it you know, it, it, does, it does really, it's very interesting like how much weight should you put in these reviews nowadays. Yeah. You know? Like back in the day, it was harder and harder to get. Like, first of all, you couldn't get the public's opinion. You had to trust the reviewer. Right. You, Either you, you went and saw it, or right. Exactly. It was only, you know, whenever these, you know, it's word of mouth. It's either right. word of mouth or an action, or you read Rolling Stone or Entertainment Weekly or something like that, and then you 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 kind of based your opinion mm-hmm. around like, oh, that seems like something I would go and watch. Right. Nowadays, it's like, I mean shit you could watch the movie for free if you want to if you're that kind of shitty person uh or you can go to twitter and hear like what real people felt about it Mm -hmm. you've got rotten tomatoes that will aggregate the score for you so you know i don't know like how relevant are these reviews well i mean that kind of makes me think how different our sort of movie landscape would look if this existed 20 30 years ago well like twitter and stuff well yeah twitter but also like rotten tomatoes and like message boards and oh, basically right, right. getting getting not only the the critics the professional critics aggregate score but also the the public's right because you know if if the internet existed back then and you could see this the aggregate score of i don't know something like dolomite <laughs> For instance, <laughs> right. like that would have gotten panned back in the day. Let's be honest, yeah. right? By most critics, most critics would say, "Oh, this is a low-budget exploitation movie that you know doesn't deserve a place on the silver screen." Mm-hmm. However, it's become a cult classic because there wasn't this thing online that's telling you you shouldn't like this movie, right? So, I don't know. I, I think that, I mean, obviously, I use I use those critical scores a lot personally. Um, but at the same time, I see the reason why a lot of people are against Rotten Tomatoes in certain instances because it does automatically uh, boil it down into a, a place that's almost too simplified. Yeah. Because really, it's it's a yes-no. It's a binary when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes. It's either yes, you should see this, or no, you should not, as opposed to this is pretty good, you may like it, give it a shot, or this is terrible yeah you know those two could be the same those two could technically be considered rotten yeah those two scores um well yeah and that's that's another good point is like if you read some of these actual reviews Mm -hmm. they're not they're not as bad as rotten tomatoes makes it and they're not as good as rotten tomato makes it seem Mm -hmm. like the aggregate is flawed in my opinion like if you look at some of the reviews that are quote-unquote rotten sometimes it's like eh it's not great you could blah 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 like right. they give these caveats and stuff and it's like enjoyable a, but forgettable right it's like an it's like an okay movie a mediocre right. movie is mediocre rotten mediocre right. is right in the middle but there is no such thing as right in the middle with rotten tomatoes right. it's either bad or it's or good, good. And it's, you know the good thing that they do is they leave it up to the reviewer from what i've heard mm. uh they let the reviewer decide is 
is your score rotten or is it uh, fresh? Oh, that's interesting. So I didn't know that. Th- yeah, from what I, from what I understand, because obviously I'm not a critic, or a professional critic at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody's a critic. A critic. Um, yeah, from what I understand, they actually ask the the reviewer. They go, okay, so if this is like a middling review, what do you think it is? Like, if you give it a C, is that a rotten C or is that a fresh C? Mm. And they base it off of that. Ah, okay. So, but even so, that leaves no nuance for the actual review. You know, like reviews shouldn't be boiled down to a number. I've seen a bunch of people that, like, you know, online. I follow a lot of people that work at IGN, mm-hmm. and they're like, even they say, uh, a lot of them at least say that you shouldn't just look at the score. Read the review. Yeah, that informs you more on what you will enjoy in this thing or what you will not enjoy in this thing. Yeah, and off of that, you can maybe make an informed decision on whether this thing's worth your time or not. Yeah. You know, and that's that's really the better way of doing it. Everybody instantly. What do you do as soon as you get to a review page? You go all the way down way and you down. look at the review, yep. the score. So you know, it's just you you can't really, especially with something like art, you can't really boil it down to a number. Yeah, of enjoyment. That's that's and reviews are always a, a personal thing. But the the problem is like we're living in such a fly by night, you know, uh, instant gratification society that like. That's why people do that. Right. Like, no one has the time to sit down and read, you know, a full page of why you should or shouldn't enjoy this mm. thing. They have the time to, like, scroll down. Right. Like, I, you know, if the if the score's not in the fucking, like, pitchfork, the, the score's right at the top. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. all right, now I get to decide if I want to fucking read the rest of this shit or not. Which you only read, I guarantee you, if you A, totally agree with that review, or B, Totally disagree with that review. <laughs> right. If you're right. somewhere in the middle and you're like, uh, I don't know, you're not going to read it. And right. that, those are the people who should read it the most because yeah. they're not sure. Yeah. Very so, true. Very yeah. true. Very true. Doesn't make much sense. Like, I'll if I see like if I see an album that I think should be good or is going to be good and it gets like an eight or a nine, I'm like, okay, and then <laughs> keep it. I'm gonna buy it. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's how it That's happens. A good point. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I don't really see much changing in the way of like how like the the whole let's advertise our Rotten Tomato score. That's a new thing, you know. They yeah. didn't used to do that. Yeah. So I think it's only going to get worse. And the other problem is like, you know, there's been some conspiracy theories about like the parent company of Rotten Tomatoes mm-hmm. and how it affects the score of certain movies because I think it's, um, ugh, I don't want to talk out of my ass, which we <laughs> some always major do. conglomerate. <laughs> You know, ah, whatever. It's owned by Fox News. We're always talking out of our ass and people call us on it. Whatever, I don't give a shit. That's true. It's some company that makes a bunch of movies, 20th Century Fox or Sony or somebody. Some One of those big companies owns Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And so people are saying like, you know, sometimes their movies get reviewed better mm-hmm. and it's like, mm, it's kind of suspicious. You know, I, I feel like no matter what the platform is, there's always going to be those conspiracy theories. Mm-hmm. No matter what. You see it with yeah. IGN all the time. You yeah. see it with Rotten Tomatoes now. Like there, there's no way that somebody, like some some corporation, not corporation, some some group that reviews this many things. There's always going to be somebody out there that goes, "Oh, you only reviewed that that way because they paid you." Right. You know, like there's there's always going to be somebody who doesn't agree with the review that will revert to that as the excuse as to why right. you don't agree with their opinion on this. I've seen this all the way across the board with Bright. Right? Yeah, like there's tons of people online. Like you were saying, the the amount of people online, uh, the regular users who are trying to back this movie that 
the critics have panned universally mm. panned this movie saying one one review i think it was IndieWire, said it's the worst movie of the year <laughs> yeah um, they're really going in on it yeah so i saw actually saw this and it kind of kind of frustrated me uh somebody on twitter sent a link to that review that said this is the worst movie of the year mm. and they made it a race thing and they said that it's because critics don't want to uh sort of uh sell a movie to the public that is about these really critical uh observations on race hmm. in today's society hmm. and i saw that and you know, I haven't seen the movie yet, and that's this is another reason why I I want to watch it now right. because I want to have an informed opinion and really form my own opinion about it. But you know, when you you have like Chance the Rapper's out here going, no, this movie sucks, and it's discussion on race relations specifically with police is terrible. It's ham fisted. It, it 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 doesn't make much sense. Yeah, and the amount of people I've seen and the amount of like I trust reviewers for the most part. For the most part, yeah. Um, and what they've said about the movies has been my fear of that movie going into it. So it's kind of, it's, it is going along with a narrative that I made in my own head. Yeah. So I'll say that, but I want to, I want to watch it to confirm this, but I just don't buy that. You yeah. Know, from David Ayer and from, uh, Max Landis, mm -hmm. who, you know, I generally don't think is a bad writer. A lot of people don't like his writing style and a lot of people don't like him now because he's been accused of sexual harassment. Mm. Uh, but that aside Jesus um, you know I don't like I don't like a lot of Max Lance's movies uh, at least the, the scripts that are put out there they tend to turn out not great yeah if you look at the track record uh, and David Ayer has a terrible track record of movies yeah there's been a couple hits uh, uh, Training Day yeah uh, Suicide Call is terrible yeah uh, and there have been a few other flops I, was, was it Blade Trinity he did too. He did Blade Trinity. I think so. Yeah. Again, talking out of the ass. But Worse I'm, I'm, than the trilogy. I, I think. I think he did Blade Trinity. Blade Trinity. If not, he wrote it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I just, I don't think that that's the case with this movie. I yeah. think that it's probably a bad movie, uh, based on the players involved. But of course, like I, I'm not gonna hold my myself to that until I actually watch it. Yeah, I so. mean that that's that's just a in my opinion that's a bit of a stretch. Um, I, I I just I can't I can't imagine that being the case. I mean, you've got a movie like Moonlight that cleaned up last mm -hmm. year, and it was a film not about um, police brutality per se, but you know about black people, the black community, homosexuality in the black community, mm -hmm. uh, uh, growing up in an impoverished black home. Yeah, it delve into a lot of issues that you would think that I, I, I mean I understand that like they don't want to talk about I, I understand the the, 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 the the conspiracy that mm -hmm. Hollywood doesn't want to address police brutality not right now mm -hmm. in the in the face of it being such a heated topic right. but yeah I, 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 I'm trying to think of a good example of a movie that they did address police brutality recently, but not a lot of movies there have come been out. Recent yeah, movies about police brutality. It not was all recently. in like the early '90s right. after Rodney King. Right. Uh, so but it's been a while. 
say. But in the media, it's been something oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. It's been everywhere. Yeah. It's been everywhere. I mean, it's kind of... It's cooled down since, like, Trump's been in office because it's all been about Trump and all the crazy... <laughs> yeah. But, um, People are still dying out there, man. Yeah, that's true. However, I will say, consider this when you consider that theory. Hollywood's not known as being this place that is uh full of conservative values right true and would hide from a topic like police brutality right right so that doesn't right. make much sense especially now right wherein they're trying to be even more accepting than they've been in the past right you know where they they're they'll make a mistake and then they start realizing their mistakes like with the oscars and stuff like that like i think that they are overcorrecting. yeah and oh, yeah. so for someone to think that they would be like, you know, uh, uh, trying to sweep this thing under the rug and saying like, ah, oh, we don't, we don't want to address that. It's like, nah, just don't buy it. No, I, don't I don't, buy it. I don't think, I don't think so. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to say anything until I actually watch the movie. You know, it's an easy way to frame why critics don't like it or it could just be a shitty movie. And that's the most frustrating thing because if that's true, this person just made it a racial issue over a movie they like that critics don't like yeah what's an e- it's easy to wait it's an easy thing to do to play the race card yeah and <clears throat> you know i i'm somebody who you know i think it's been pretty well documented how i feel about race relations and my uh my beliefs on that you front have, you have tons of black friends <laughs> i have all the black friends <laughs> so you know you got a jewish lawyer and my black friends and and my one gay friend they all feel the same way um and so like i'm somebody who like like that crap like that classic uh chris rock bit where he's like where the racism at where where that where that is it is it over there is it i'm definitely one of those kind of people who like oh shit who's talking shit i want to know i want to address it yeah this one just does just feels like a stretch man yeah and i'm i'm on your side buddy whoever came up with that conspiracy theory like i'm right there with you on the fight but this one just doesn't. <laughs> this one feels like you're uh, you're reaching a little like bit. Like where friend. your head's at. Yeah, but, uh, I, not I'm, this one. Yeah, not this. Not one. this one. This just feels like a reach. Well, you know, we haven't done a um, one reel in in a long time. Maybe, maybe bright can be that. Maybe bright. Yeah, yeah. And then we can. Yeah, not a bad idea. All right, all right, all right. We may we may come back to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll table that. We'll come back. All right, all right. Well, what we will not table, and what we will come to immediately. Is how we felt about these Bruskis. Uh, they are from Dogfish Head and Woolrick. It's a collaboration. It's the Pennsylvania Tuxedo again, an IPA or an, a pale ale, just not, not an IPA. Sorry, just an, uh, a pale ale with uh, Pennsylvania spruce tips. Uh, I don't know how much they added to it, um, the spruce tips, mm-hmm. but um, this was delicious. It's great. It's yeah, really I thought, good. I thought it was fantastic. I wasn't expecting it to be this good, but yeah. Yeah, I uh, I was very very flavorful, but mm-hmm. uh, hoppy, but not too hoppy. Um, Easy drinking, even though it's an eight point five. Right. Yeah. I'm. I'm gonna go five on this one, man. I'm. I'm borderline five point five. Five point two five. What do you think? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Thinking the same exact thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, five, five going on, five point five. Mm-hmm. This was amazing. I, yeah, I, I like this. Very a lot. strong five, light five point five. Yeah. Uh, consider this comes in a four pack for you cheap bastards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's very much worth it if you can find it. I think this is a seasonal 
considering it's it is uh, the Christmas season. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I definitely pick this one up if you're a fan of IPAs, pale ales, uh, anything with a little bit of that hoppy kick. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> this has been the One Baron Podcast for myself, Marco Dupa, for Adam Obesius Rodriguez. Yeah, boy. And for our faithful co-host who cannot be with us today, the sports drunk god, Dave Romero. I'm Dave. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Like, share, and subscribe on any place that you can find podcasts. It's completely free. SoundCloud, uh, Facebook. Uh, Google Play no not Google Play sorry we're still on we're, we're still on, on Google Play we're on Google Play now we're on Google Play yeah. oh well Google Play <laughs> Google Play Stitcher iTunes all that jazz uh, thank you guys for listening drink delicious beer and have a beautiful evening I love you oh,